Let's turn to God's Word. We're going to read in the Old Testament, first of all, from Isaiah 57. I want to read from Isaiah 57 and then go into Isaiah 58. So we're going to start just a few verses back in Isaiah 57. It's page 744, if you're following in the Pew Bibles. So Isaiah 57 and coming in at verse 16. This is the Word of God. I will not accuse forever. Nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would grow faint before me, the breath of man that I have created. I was enraged by his sinful greed. I punished him and hid my face in anger, yet he kept on in his willful ways. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him, creating praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager, eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up 
the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And we end our reading at verse 12. May God bless his word to us today. You're welcome again, Colin. I know you've had a busy couple of weeks of deputation, uh, but you're, you're nearly at the finishing post anyway. Uh, God bless you and come and share with us. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it wonderful to come and worship together? And I think it was my wife once said, isn't church a great place to wash your face? <laughs> Tears. How many of us cry? Well, I certainly do. <laughs> I think I inherited it from my mom. <laughs> Blame her. <laughs> um, what a wonderful uh, songs. I've learned a few new ones this morning. So it's really wonderful to come and uh, bring you a little update on the work. A lot of ha- has happened in the past year, and there's been probably hundreds, well, there definitely has been hundreds of ships in and out of the harbor over the past year down in Cork. Um, I'm up on my biannual deputation run, so I've had 22 meetings in 20 days, and uh, the last one tonight, Port Rush Presbyterian, and then back south tomorrow. So thanks for all your prayers throughout the year, and also practical help like hats and little Christmas presents. We give those out um, all year round. And um, well, this morning um, I uh, asked for the reading from Isaiah 57 and 58. Um, You know, it says about whose waves, the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. And you and I as Christians, we have the light of the world, Jesus. We have God's peace in our hearts, in our families, in our fellowships. And we have to bring this to many people in the world who have no peace, like the waves of the sea, restless. And then it says about, in Isaiah 58, true fasting, the kind of fasting that God wants. It talks about quarreling and strife, the pointing of the finger and malicious talk. Well, I'm sure you've heard the expression, when, there's one, when you're pointing a finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing back at yourself, isn't there? And then I have a reading from Luke um, chapter 18. It's on page uh, 1052 in the Pew Bibles. And uh, I have a few thoughts for us to uh, think about prayer and fasting, um, as well as update you with the slideshow. some of the stories from the ships. So uh, Luke chapter 18, a very well-known passage, uh, verse 9, page 1052. Let's hear God's word. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, beat his breast, and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. 
You know, the Pharisee uh, might have had an empty stomach, but he was full of himself. Now, what about you and me? In Matthew chapter um, 6, Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, and bit of a challenge this morning <laughs> on a subject not oftenly thought about, but I'll start off by talking about food. <laughs> Recently, I've, uh, well, during the past year or maybe more than a year, a guy has been helping me on the ships called Charles, and he is, uh, he's been such a blessing, a godsend. Well, we were on a Korean car ship together, and this Korean captain spent about 30 minutes just talking to us of all the kinds of food he likes eating, which included um, raw fish, raw beef, and even raw chicken. <laughs> Uh, Charles was thinking about the scripture in Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And I was thinking about how many people live to eat rather than eat to live. Um, I remember when I was working in Shane's castle, um, one of the workers said he, he knew the time of day by how hungry he was, <laughs> whether it was coffee break or lunch break. <laughs> The generation that we live in is so focused on indulgence, self-gratification, pleasure, and gluttony. All-you-can-eat special. Many people who go on a cruise gain weight. And uh, some people told me they bring an extra set of clothes because when they go home, they can't fit into their original set of clothes. And some of the the crew members on a cruise liner told me uh, there's an incinerator for burning rubbish on board, but sometimes people leave their old clothes behind. So the crew members call it the NC mile, shopping mile incinerator mile. <laughs> they get lots of clothes for free. Well, I remember um, once Norman said, in this generation, we're entertaining ourselves to death. Do you remember that? <laughs> Challenging. Have you heard of the head down generation? Not just young people, many of us stuck on our phones, head down. So many distractions. And for sailors also, so many temptations. What about the head down generation? Prayer. Living a temperate, moderate, self-disciplined and balanced lifestyle is almost going against the flow. Well, when seafarers arrive in port, even if if they come from a cruise liner, there's a few things on their mind, normally Wi-Fi, internet, and food. And they end up usually at McDonald's or Burger King. And uh, you know the expression, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So Charles knows this, the guy who helps me, and we've been bringing snacks on board. which is so good. The sailors really appreciate some crisps and uh, snacks. But I've also heard that the stomach is a good servant, but a terrible master. As Christians, we know we've three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Another relevant saying is the only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. Are we going with the flow, or are we living a radically different life from the world around us? Ephesians 6.12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spirits of wickedness in high places. And Romans 12.2 says, And be ye not transformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As missionaries to seafarers, one of the blessings we experience is the hospitality culture of the crew. Often we are invited to share coffee, lunch, even breakfast. And I even had an Irish breakfast. It wasn't an Ulster fry, because <laughs> there was Irish people um, and the cook made an, that was the first time I had an Irish breakfast on a ship. <laughs> uh, you know, sharing food with someone is a sign of their heart being open to you, fellowship, 
Think of the stories in scripture from the first sin in Genesis 3. It involved food, didn't it? Think of Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of stew. Think of Abraham um, uh, making a meal, preparing a meal for the heavenly visitors. Think of Jesus and how we've been given a meal by which to proclaim his death until he comes. Um, very often when we've had a meal, before or after, when we're on the ship, the people, and in, in ship language they call it chop chop. They say to me, my friend, chop chop, let's eat. <laughs> um, but you really need to pray before having a meal on a ship. And if me and my colleagues have some wonderful and some not so good mem- uh, <laughs> memories of eating on board ships. Um, so we, they don't often have much to give us, but the food is one of the things. And it's amazing the opportunities we've had to pray and to witness and to share with them. When we've had a meal with them, it's like we're one of the ship family. Um, so it's, it's very amazing, you know. <laughs> I'm sure when you go to another country, um, it's the same. Even Walter, who I took over from in the ministry, uh, who'd been doing this ministry since 1969, we're now 17 years uh, full-time, but he'd been doing it for maybe 40 years. But he warned me, during deputation, you can gain weight. (laughs) Um, Well, I was planning to share a few thoughts on fasting rather than eating, but even in our churches, we seem more familiar with feasting than fasting. Not often a subject I've heard preached on, and very often we get it back to front in church from the way it is in the Bible. In the Bible, it says, like I said, when you fast, and in 1 John 2, verse 1, John says, if anyone sins, but we usually understand when you sin and if you fast. In Isaiah 58, we see um, the kind of fasting that pleases God, caring for other people. Um... Our motive in fasting should be to sit at Jesus' feet. And it's a bit like giving into the offering plate. We don't publicize what we're giving into the offering plate. To have a deeper level of fellowship with our Father, but from the place of intimate fellowship and worship, we're propelled to demonstrate God's love in practical ways to others. In Psalm 107, the seafarer's psalm, it says, others went out on the sea in ships. Others. Loving God and loving others, your neighbor as yourself. Love is the opposite of selfishness. Um, Satan was self-seeking and then Adam and Eve also by seeking to increase. But the way of Jesus is the way of self-sacrifice and humility. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The kind of fasting God wants is uh, done in secret, and it usually means going without food but still drinking water. On ships, it's common for Muslims during Ramadan, and I've met uh, people from Pakistan and Turkey and India, Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, um, many countries. I remember two Indian cooks, they were the only um, Muslims on board, and they were fasting the whole day, no liquids and no food. And they were cooking for everyone else on board the container ship. Well, fasting is really good for the body. And it's um, maybe sad that the world is actually maybe talking more about fasting than the church. Um, Health gurus. After three or four days, imagine. (laughs) Um, Your body actually gets used to it. And 
it's, it's definitely doable, but we'd be led to believe that it's impossible. Um, and it's amazing. Someone said, in discomfort, there's a lot less distractions than in comfort. That's very true. Um, a book I read, which is very challenging, is called Atomic Power with God Through Fasting and Prayer by Franklin Hall. But it would maybe make you feel guilty for not fasting, so you have to read it without legalistic eyes. The world is looking at us and asking, are we any different from them? Fasting brings us to our knees. In conclusion, I've seen the most passion for God and growth and maturity among, um, in an, uh, evangelism among the persecuted rather than among the pampered church. Among Christians who are less well off financially and materially, we often see a fire and a passion for God and holy living, which would put many Western Christians to shame. We can learn a lot from our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. If we took Jesus' words more seriously and combined fasting with prayer, I'm convinced we'd see God's kingdom advance and expand in our own lives, families, and countries. Well, the preacher uh, shouldn't go over time because the congregation will start thinking about lunch. <laughs> I do have a lot of slides to update you. But just a few thoughts for us on a subject which we maybe don't think about too much. But undoubtedly, it'll bring us back to dependence on the Lord and bring us um, humble our, ourselves. Um, a, a, a medium or a long-term fast can even um, break a lot of unwanted habits and can heal your body as well. It can, uh, the body can be healed and sicknesses and things can leave your body. It's amazing. Remember, uh, it was when the prodigal son's money as well as his food ran out that he came to his senses in Luke chapter 15. Lord, teach us afresh what it means to completely depend on you Help us to grow in this area of prayer and fasting. Help us to live self-controlled and disciplined lives. May we treasure your word as our daily bread, as Jesus, you were fasting in the wilderness in Luke 4, and remember that our meat is to do your will, as you told the disciples in John 4 when you were with the woman at the well. Amen. So um, I'll show you some pictures of the work. And uh, well, the... For those of you who aren't familiar, um, we're, uh, I'm with the Seamen's Mission, and you know there's a lot of ministries involved with the sea. Of course, there's a, there's a fisherman's mission, then you have a Catholic Seamen's Mission, an Anglican Seamen's Mission, non-denominational Seamen's Missions, there's Mercy Ships, there's Logos Hope. So there's a lot of things happen with the ships. Um, ours is a smaller non-denominational international evangelical Seamen's Mission around since 1846. Um, and that's the family there. They keep growing bigger and bigger. <laughs> uh, Aidan's now 15 and Jenna's 12. And next one. I think it's frozen. Oh, here we go. Um, Leonard Ravenhill said, if he's not Lord at all, of, of all, he's not Lord at all. And it says, uh, when they brought their boats to land, they um, forsook all and followed him. What are you and I forsaking? for Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The question is, if we're following Jesus, are we fishing? And thanks. <laughs> There's so many ships. Now myself, I have a degree in forestry. I even worked with Steve Morris before gardening tree surgery and uh, David Boyd as well. And then I worked for a builder for a while, but I didn't know anything about ships, but now I've been on maybe more than 10,000 ships 
And Aidan said, Dad, you've given out more than 100,000 woolly hats. <laughs> I think it's true. <laughs> the one at the top left is called the world. Um, and remember, we don't wait for the world to come to us. We need to go. Great commission, go. Someone said two-thirds of God is go, G-O-D. Go and make disciples. Go and love people. Go and care for people. So they're all different shapes and sizes. And maybe it's not turned on, is it? <laughs> Always check if it's on. Okay, that's maybe why. <laughs> no? <laughs> okay, it's on now. Good. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so yeah, people, it's about people, isn't it? Loving people, caring for people. A Muslim cook there from Indonesia getting Christmas presents, first Christmas presents he's ever had. And they were two or three years on the ship. Um, very low salary. Imagine living on a ship for three years and they only had $300 a month. An important point at the bottom is we get off the ship before the ship sails away. Otherwise, we'd become a stowaway. <laughs> um, normal so-called contract, nine months. But when you add up nine months every year, it means in 30 years, it's only five years with their families. And there's so many people out on the, on the ships out at sea. Uh, we're a team, which is great. Together, everyone achieves more. It's not about a lone ranger or a one-man mission, one-man band. Uh, in Belfast, we have Sam. Jay is in Dublin. Uh, Jay's been here before. And, um, and we're down in Cork. But also England, Scotland, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, um, Belgium, Australia, Philippines, Caribbean, Portugal, and Slovenia. So we're looking to expand. So that's a prayer point. God wants addition and multiplication. Satan wants division and subtraction. And that was before the pandemic. And you might wonder, what did we do during the pandemic? Well, we kept going. There was about three months we didn't visit ships, and then constantly we were just going, frontliners to the frontliners. This was last May. We were able to have a get-together, which is wonderful, to see the other European missionaries. The guy on the bottom left there, uh, Chris Wynn, he's from India, Tamil Nadu, and his wife over on the right. And they've uh, new missionaries in Liverpool port, but right around Europe. Now in Rotterdam port, um, they might have 100 ships visiting per day. In Hamburg, maybe 50 a day. In Cork, Belfast or Dublin, maybe between five to 10 ships a day, which is plenty. 90% <laughs> of world trade is by sea. They're out of sight, out of mind, a forgotten people group. And, you know, just imagine one Christian. We're so blessed, we take so much for granted. We've God's word, we fellowship. Um, during pandemic, the rest of the world got a bit of a flavor of what it was like for the seafarers for all these years. Imagine being one Christian all alone for nine months on the ship. Very often we've been to a ship and the man has said to me, I've been praying that God would send someone on board. 90% we depend on them, you know. Look at the label on your clothes, your car. How did it get here, the petrol in the petrol station? Coffee, computers, cars, clothes, shoes, furniture, bananas, oranges. How do all these things come to us? And there's people on the ships. And there's all different kinds of ships, of course. Uh, tankers, containers, fishing, all kinds. Uh, without seafarers, no shipping, no shopping. Lifeblood of world trade and without uh, shipping, the shops will be quite empty. Charles is a real answer to prayer. He's the guy in the yellow jacket. He's 72 years old. He's been covering the ships when I'm up north on deputation. And um, from the Isle of Wight, 
So it's amazing, 72 years, yeah? <laughs> so passionate. And he said he was walking the dog one day and he said, uh, Lord, I've stepped back from youth ministry in the church, what's next? And he heard the Lord say, go to the ships. He's been a real godsend. And uh, in one year, he's been on over 300 ships. The world is coming to us. Sometimes countries where missionaries can't go or you might not get a visa. And people look at that and um, of course we've met many more countries than this. Um, and they say, how do you talk to them? Well, they've learned English to work on a ship, which is amazing. Imagine a cruise liner which has 6,000 people, uh, 4,000 passengers and 2,000 crew members and maybe 100 nationalities. If they didn't speak one language, it would be like the Tower of Babel. So the people come and they've open hearts and we might have a few hours with them, a few days or even a week with some of them. Even landlocked countries and it really is incredible world mission on our doorstep. The Lagan, the Liffey and the Lee are the main uh, rivers and the river Lee down in Cork is uh, about 10 shipping berths and a big development in Ringeskiddy and then Ireland's only oil refinery, Whitegate. Charles lives in Carrigaline, and we live over Middleton, which is both sides of the river covered, which is wonderful. And about 20 minutes, we can both be on ships. The links in the chain, whether we pray, give, or go, or knit a woolly hat. The record holder is 400 hats in a year. <laughs> How do you make friends with Muslims from Syria? Bring them to Burger King, the top middle picture. <laughs> and then bring them to church later. But their ship was taking uh, cows to Libya. And the captain in the middle left said he smokes five packets of cigarettes a day. Some of these ships would be more scared of smoke than COVID. <laughs> and in fact, we're more of a risk for COVID because many times they haven't been off the ship. And during pandemic, there were really, really cabin fever in the extreme because some people were two years on a ship. He's Ron, um, a born again Christian Filipino, leading the Christian fellowship on board. So our work is not just evangelism, but also discipleship and church planting. Of course, during pandemic, we did lots of Bible study groups, and I was blessed during uh, last week to be down with Jay, the Dublin missionary, um, and we had Wednesday night, and, and uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, I stayed in Monaghan with him. So a point for prayer would be the Church on the Oceans program. This is really wonderful uh, in the Philippines, SCFS Philippines, which is going for 30 to 40 years. They have a team there, and they, they train born-again Filipino sailors, men and women, when they go to their ship, whether it's a cargo or a cruise liner, to plant and have a, a small group and a church on board. Could be two, three, could be 10 or 20. Um, there's been over 50 training courses of this. And then during pandemic, the Logos Hope ship did not have guests or visitors coming on board, but one of our colleagues from Rotterdam Port, Michael, he started something called Ship to Ship Ministry. So the, it wasn't people coming to the Logos Hope, but the people could go to the neighboring ships. And as Walter said to me many years ago, um, it, our work is like door to door, um, except it's ships and the door's always open, which is amazing. Their ship ran aground in a storm off Waterford. And you see the key there, the key, that's the key to his cabin, of course, but the key is worship. <laughs> and uh, I'm just thinking this morning, wh where's our focus? Where's your focus? And Steve asked a very, um, uh, what's the word, pertinent question this morning in the early service. He said, why have you come to church this morning? Worship. Worship the Lord. And worship is the key to unlock God's heart, isn't it? Worship, despite your circumstances, think of um, what you're up against. 
And like the song said, we could be focusing on the waves, but Peter's focus, it should have been on Jesus, you know, but then he took his eyes off Jesus. Where's our focus? Um, The waves, no. (laughs) Psalm 107, the storms, the storms of life. But Jesus calms the storm, Mark 4. Jay and me, uh, he married Irish, I married a Korean, and the sailors say, if you got mixed up? <laughs> and that's us gathering Christmas presents and stuff from the church last October, and for great pals. He looks after Dublin Port, about six weekly Bible studies on six different ships every week in Dublin Port, but he lives in Monaghan. It's a two-hour drive down and back up four days a week. That was... Um, I think it doesn't say the year, does it? But that was um, two years ago. Baptizing a Filipino who's the cook on board his ship. And then this was last, uh, this time last year, baptizing the cook. Uh, the same ship, the same oil drum, but a different cook. <laughs> but this one had learned to put hot water because the first one, it was very cold water. Nope. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh. There's two. Well, well, from the sublime to the ridiculous, this was my COVID record, 100 McDonald's burgers to a ship during COVID. And they couldn't go ashore the tanker. I brought them 25 freebies, you know, from Balabina, so it was a Euro saver. Um, but then the captain from Greece emailed me, my friend, please bring 100 burgers and 60 fries. So when I phoned McDonald's in Middleton, they said, can you repeat the order? <laughs> and they were so happy they did a TikTok dance to celebrate. <laughs> a captain here from Philippines said, um, Now we feel human again because I brought them to the beach. First time off the ship in 18 months. Imagine being in the church building and not being able to leave for 18 months. Maybe some people would have to walk the plank. (laughs) Hopefully not. (laughs) We'd have to send someone with the life raft to rescue them. (laughs) The woolly hat's the key to a sea man's heart. That's what one man said to me. And uh, do again. Mervyn on the left there and, and Charles on the right. See their lovely, their shoes, their, their safety shoes. But the guy beside Charles on the right, his bare feet. And many times you go to these ships and, uh, you know, that's the culture you go in. Even in Korea, we were able to go last November. You take your shoes off when you're um, in the home. But I remember one Vietnamese ship where you couldn't keep your feet still for very long because there were so many cockroaches creeping around the floor. <laughs> John 3.16, leading five people to the Lord on board that ship that night with service on board. Wonderful opportunity. You know, we bring them to church or we um, have a service on board. Uh, Jay visits me and I hope to go and visit him tomorrow down in Dublin on my way south again. The pilot ladder. Um, you know, there's, there's some amazing uh, old hymns, you know. Um, Jesus, pilot me and let the lower lights be burning. But I had to climb up that. But sometimes it's, very, it's a lot harder climbing back down than it is climbing up. And sometimes the gangways are so steep. They're like a tree. Um, climbing uh, Ukrainians so of course COVID was one thing now the war Russia Ukraine many Russians and Ukrainians on the same ship and not Turkey and uh, Syria we meet people from these countries Romania a man said in a world that's forgotten God you show the world that he exists and next uh, just taking them shopping as someone said uh, we don't care how much you know until we know how much you care so they go hand in hand, practical help, spiritual help. A cook from Mariupol, Ukraine, and uh, he said they were three weeks in a bomb shelter and then the food and water ran out. And then they had to make a run for it. And uh, in Jay's slideshow, he showed a missile which had come into some, uh, the seaman's parents' living room, an unexploded bomb, three meters long. And they couldn't touch it, obviously. 
and that's weightlifting on the bottom of the picture. They use those twist locks on board. The church, you know, um, and there he's got a top Belfast. The guys in the bottom lead the Christian fellowship on board one of those massive cruise liners, which it could have between three to 6,000 people on board. But I've told you before, the three kinds of passengers, the newlywed, the overfed, and the nearly dead. And uh, hopefully we're not in the last two categories. <laughs> so pray for the church on the oceans. Pray for these cruise ships and the Christian fellowship. You know, it's very hard working on a cruise liner and a um, lot of things like temptations and struggles, but number one, it's so hard. 11 to 12 hours every day, no weekends, no bank holidays, and nine months straight, sleeping in bunk beds and maybe not such high wages. Um, the guy holding the little duck there, and also there he is, um, Glenn, he's leading the Christian Fellowship on another one of these. And it's wonderful to have a big room uh, and another lady involved in the Christian Fellowship from Nepal who grew up... Um, in a Hindu home. Uh, this is a facility on the train station platform and we're so blessed to have the key uh, to this. And this, it, you, can see, um, you can see the ship from where, where this is. It would probably be from here to the end of the car park and the cruise liner comes in and it's very close. I can invite them in and they can have a free Wi-Fi and a chat. The world and remember what profit am I to gain the world if we lose his soul. But that's the ship which has apartments on board between five up to $15 million. Very expensive. Now, some of the crew from another cruise liner, uh, unfortunately, he cut his foot with an angle grinder. He's from Nicaragua. He ended up in hospital, and the ship doctor and I were able to go and visit him. Uh, he, she's from uh, Colombia. Then massive new terminal in Ringoskiddy. Car carriers coming in. Uh, Koreans, and maybe uh, 6,000 cars and some of these new cars and that was the ship with the Korean who liked the raw chicken and he messaged me later that he said it was the best day of my life going out and being with you <laughs> and we left him scriptures so it's amazing meeting the world and people on different stages of their life's journey um, and the captain bought $700 worth of food there for the crew um, that was last October Jay and I went to the little mission center in Belfast the Anglican church has a mission uh, house and we met some seafarers who'd just come from Cork so the ship had gone from Cork to Belfast uh, that was the Logos Hope and the hand there pray until something happens that says on that one push pray until something happens and next one Fleet of fishing boats, that's what we should be. You know, not a pleasure cruise. Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be a pleasure cruise. And the, that's a battleship, you know, the purpose is self-protection. Sometimes we can be very inward focused. But where is our focus, right? <laughs> focus my eyes on you, O oh Lord. And on the harvest field, a fleet of fishing boats, a lifeboat in someone's life, a bridge builder, minister of reconciliation. One day the door will close, but still an open door to world mission, the day of salvation. Ring of Skiddy we have on the right there. There's a captain um, and there's a container and there's a porta cabin. And we were able to go to Korea last November and we used those, obviously, those we have literature and Bible in those container and porta cabin. Um, Turkish people were on board that ship and Indians and Georgian. And there's some statistics there. <laughs> That's Sunwa's family in South Korea. Um, please pray, four sisters still in Buddhism and one brother and one sister who are born again Christians. Some statistics, loads of ships. Uh, one month we even visited over 90 ships between us. So Charles has really like doubled the output and it's wonderful. He's also a trustee with SCFS and the headquarters down in Dundonald. 
So it's amazing. It says something, seven, over 7,000 crew minister to in a year. Guys from Balamoni, I was there last Sunday with them. I got up to Port Rush this evening, but uh, Kenneth and Victor coming down, going on the ships. The cook was so eager to get the SIM card that his flip-flops fell off the gangway on the way down. <laughs> and then uh, it was incredible. Uh, a, a glass of Turkish tea arrived at the passenger side of the car, and I said to the one who had English, I said, how did this tea arrive? And they said they lowered the tea down the side of the rope on a rope, uh, the, the ship on a rope. <laughs> so I got them to lower up uh, scriptures and gifts and um, Christmas presents. We usually give out about a 1,000 Christmas presents from November through to February, but my colleagues in Rotterdam, over 2,500 already. That was bringing some seafarers to church on Sunday morning. Please pray for Ray, Bulgarian, life support, and that was with Pastor Johnson the night before I drove north for deputation, and we went in to visit him and pray for him and anoint him with oil. Eager, eyes longing, watching the seafarers are looking, waiting for someone to come, God's promise, and uh, Muslim, they're from, uh, he's from Egypt, and we got him a new bicycle. Only five people on board from Egypt, Ethiopia, and Albania. A couple of Monday nights ago, that was me in Belfast. I was on the West Link, and I thought this ship name was coming to mind. And I thought, I wonder, Lord, do you want me to go to, is that ship in Belfast? So I pulled into York Gate, searched the app called marinetraffic.com, and their ship was in Belfast. And, um, and uh, I was able to meet them in the Seaman Center. And this is the second last slide about focus. In Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, King Jehoshaphat said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They were outnumbered, maybe seven to one, but the worshipers went out at the front of the battle and the enemy ended up killing themselves. Where's our focus? Um, and the plants then, you know, what you focus on um, will get bigger. So like, it's like whenever you're seasick on a ship and you focus on the fixed point on the land, but as you're getting closer to it, obviously you're getting bigger. So whatever we focus on in life is going to get bigger. And what you feed will grow, what you starve will die. What are we feeding? Are we feeding failures and faults? Are we focusing on the problems or the promises? We should be focused on Jesus. Think of Luke 15. The father kept searching, kept looking for the son's return, but the older brother his eyes were on the faults and failures. And where is our eyes? Focus my eyes on you, Lord. And just a last slide, some prayer points. The ministry and Charles and Mary help us and our family in Cork and Korea and the ship churches. And this sort of merged into one there, but um, the new ports and ship to ship ministry. Thank you so much for your prayers. I'll hand back to Norma. Kenny. <laughs>